I want to talk about a problem that is real that is painful that is common if not even universal I cannot tell you how many families in our community are dealing with this painful problem and have dealt with this painful problem but no one ever talks about it 22 years I've never given a sermon about it I've never heard anybody talk about it but I want to talk about it today It's the problem of recency, R-E-C-E-N-C-Y. Here's what the problem of recency looks like. Your loved one had a fabulous life for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, full of life, full of energy, full of impact, moving, doing, living, reading, living, going, big world. And then at some particular point in time your loved one suffers a serious assault on their health. Could be an assault on their cognitive abilities. Maybe they get diagnosed with Alzheimer's or with some other illness that affects their ability to think and their memory. And this is when you start hearing a word This word is so painful to say. And this word is so painful to hear. And this word is so painful to live out, dementia. Your loved one has dementia. And now the person who used to be so articulate, so eloquent, struggles for words. Can't find the word. And now the person who used to live this rich life reading and traveling has his much smaller life. And your conversations used to be about anything and everything and were easy and intuitive and before you knew it you could talk for that 30 minutes, 40 minutes and now it's a labor of love. smaller conversation what did you have for breakfast what did you have for lunch what did you have for dinner and the kids are good the kids are good and because they don't remember you have that same conversation over again or it could be that they were doing fabulous in life until there was an assault on their physical health that a stroke or something that limited their physical abilities they used to run marathons literally they used to ski down black double diamonds literally they were the energizer bunny literally There's nothing they wouldn't do or couldn't do running marathons in their 80s. And now they're in a wheelchair. And there's a third which is just the indignities of aging. 
My late mother used to say, the 90s are not like the 80s. And the 80s are not like the 70s. And my father in love likes to say, there is a difference between growing older and growing old. And the boxer, Unatana Tokef, tells us that some people get to live Bakitso. They live just the right time. And some live Lovakitso, not the right time. And not the right time, we usually think they don't live long enough. But sometimes Lovakitso, not the right time, is they live too long. And they're languishing. They can't do what they used to do. They can't be who they used to be. They're not who they were, and there's no end in sight. Now here's the problem. This hard chapter of decline, assault on their cognitive skills, assault on their physical skills, assault on their humanity, they can't do what they used to do. They are not who they used to be. This can last for a long time years. So tell me now what happens when your loved one has 60 fabulous years of life, 70 fabulous years of life, and 10, 15, 20 hard years of decline. This is a problem and pathos at two levels. Obviously, most importantly, it is a problem for our loved one. It is a particular form of hell to lose who you are in real time and know that you are losing yourself in real time. It is a particular form of hell to know I cannot do what I used to do. And it is a problem for the people who love our loved ones. And that's where the problem of recency comes in, because what is most recent takes up all the bandwidth. What is most recent crowds out what was less recent. The 60 good years, yeah, that was like 100 years ago. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with families and here's what they say. This is the almost universal formulation of the recency problem, which is that their bandwidth is taken up by this last hard chapter. Here's what they say. They say, I lost my mother before I lost her. I lost my father years ago before I lost him. And then the follow-up question. Can you tap into the story of your father? Can you tap into the story of your mother before they got sick? <sighs> you know, it's been a long time. And I'm exhausted. That's the problem of recency. My question today is, how do we think about 
this problem of recency, that the present crowds out the past, that the current hard chapter preempts the rest of the book, just like eats up and consumes the rest of the book. How do we think about this? And what in particular is the role of Yiskor in this problem? It turns out that the Torah speaks exactly, exactly to this issue. And it does so in the form of two passages that deal with the same issue, roughly in the same spot of the Torah, and come out in very different ways. Both passages are dealing with Moses. They're dealing with Moses at the end of his life. They're both dealing with Moses at 120 years of age. And they ask the question, is Moses at the end of his life thriving or struggling? So the first one is Deuteronomy 31. And in it, Moses says, Ben Mea Esrim Shana Anochi Hayom, Lo Uchal Od Latzeit Velavo. I am now today 120 years old, and I can no longer get out or come in. This voice, Lord, this voice is so real. I'm tired. It's just like at Simus. It's like at Simus. I'm in the house. I'm in my apartment. I'm, I'm good. Leave me be, my apartment, to get up and to go out into the car to get dressed, to get into the car and to get seated, to put on. I can't, I can't put on my seatbelt anymore. And then you get out, take off the seatbelt, get out of the car, hold on to the walker, deal with the steps, deal with the ramp, deal with the... The doors are so heavy. And, and don't even talk to me about airports, the lines, the luggage. I've flown my last flight. Honey, I would love to go to your wedding, but I don't fly anymore. Lo ode, let's say for love can't do it anymore. I'll be thinking about you when you get married. Your parents are going to tell me all about it. I love you. That's Moses, Deuteronomy 31. Three chapters later, same issue, Moses at the end of his life, but oh my God, totally different answer. Moshe ben Mea ve'esrim kamoto lo chahata eno v'no leis nacho. Moses was 120 years when he died, and his vision was undimmed, and his vigor was unabated. Moses, at the end of his life, super strong, all there, didn't lose any speed on his fastball. So how can this be? How can Deuteronomy 31 and Deuteronomy 34 both be? And I think they are both exactly true. 
they're both true. And they're both true because they each have a different narrative purpose and voice. Deuteronomy 31 about Moses struggling is Moses on Moses. And this is our loved one saying, I'm good, I'm done, ready to go, live my life, I'm good. No one gets to live forever. That's Moses on Moses. No one gets to live forever. I don't get to live forever. Love you. Goodbye. Deuteronomy 34 is not Moses on Moses. Deuteronomy 34 are the children of Moses on Moses after he's died. And there they say, hey, hey, the end happened. That's okay, it happened. But that's not his story. Moses' story is not his last hard chapter. Not, not denying it, it's in the book, it's in Deuteronomy 31, you can read it yourself. It's there, but that's not what his life is about. It's not about his physical or emotional or psychological frailty at the end of his life, it's about his spiritual robustness during the rest of his life. It's about his life in full bloom. It's not about his illness, it's about his impact. It's not about his limitations and losses, it's about his legacy. It's not about the last heart chapter, it's about the life in full bloom. And that's why we're here now. And that's what Yisker is about. This moment is about moving from Deuteronomy 31 to Deuteronomy 34. It's about moving from illness to impact. It's about moving from that last chapter that did happen, we don't deny it, we're not going to let it define the life of our loved one. It's about tapping into the meaning of their life, not the last hard days and years of their life. And that calls to mind the observation that Lin-Manuel Miranda made about Hamilton. He said the most important single line in Hamilton is, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Who tells the story of our loved ones? We do now. Let's make sure that the story we tell is not a story of how they died but of how they lived. How they lived, that's on us right now.